Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. BPI presents Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Pride Connection. And that was a live version of Rainbow Connection. Byron, was that Machina Easton by any chance? Um, you know, I don't know because I don't label these stupid things and I really should. <laughs> but I, I know that I know that it was I, think I think it was from like American Idol or something. Uh I believe okay. I believe it was a recording from from The Voice or American Idol or one of those things. Well, what awesome. we do know is that that voice was Mr. Richard Marion from British Columbia, Vancouver, Canada. We do. And if you are a BPI member or you're a friend of BPI and you'd like to hear your voice on Pride Connection, all you have to do is hit us up at membership at blindlgbtpride.org and we'll forward your request to Byron. And between the two of you, you can pick a, you know, pick a version of Rainbow Connection. He'll give you the script, and in a week or so, you'll be on Pride Connection. Yeah, and then, so I'll, and then I'll label it. <laughs> I'll label it so I know <laughs> yeah. when Anthony asks me. <laughs> yeah. This is like the second time that there's been a new a new intro, and I've said, Byron, who is that? But um, <laughs> we have a very special Pride Connection this evening. We are celebrating Black History Month, and we've asked our past president, Mr. Will Burley, and one of our prominent members, who is just a dynamo from the state of Massachusetts, Miss Cheryl Cummings, to lead our discussion this evening. So, Gabe, did you have anything as far as the president's message is concerned? Just really quickly, um, thank everyone that we know. Every we were all exhausted this week. Um, it's the DC leadership meetings, and uh, like we were talking before. We started, um, we're all zoomed out, <laughs> but uh, it's so, it's, it's great that we were able under the umbrella of the American Council of the Blind to still go ahead with our virtual DC leadership, le- oh my God, leadership meetings. <laughs> and, um, even, <laughs> and even having our Capitol Hill visits virtually so um we um did not want to let february go by without (sighs) celebrating black history month so like anthony said who better than will and cheryl to lead this discussion and just it's it's always it's always a learning experience to hear the both of you will and cheryl so welcome to pride connection and and uh just take it away just a note of housekeeping as we embark on this discussion byron will be helming byron lee our engineer oh yeah i'm gonna actually 
the controls hosting. behind the scenes. So if you join us with a question or a comment, I'm sure Will and Cheryl will make a break somewhere in the middle and towards the end. You can find the links on the Facebook BPI page as well as a, all of the BPI social media communiques. Will, Cheryl, welcome, welcome, welcome. Take over Pride Connection. It's all yours. Oh, well, thank you so much. I mean, we're so excited um, for this opportunity. Aren't we, Will? We are. We are. Um, I'm just glad to be here and not freezing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, we are glad that finally the electricity is back on in texas and um you know you're 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 good you're safe you're you know yeah yeah it's it's it was definitely an experience and so this will this conversation i think is going to warm me up (laughs) a bit (laughs) i like it oh yeah so um I suppose if anybody, if you saw the announcement, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about sort of the origins of Black History Month. Where did that come from? And, you know, that type of stuff. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about what we're calling the psychosocial impact of racism on the lives of African Americans. And then uh, we want to talk a little bit about the future. And I know they're all like huge topics. So, um, we, at least I recognize that, you know, we can't do full justice to them, but we just want to bring these topics up for sort of discussion and consideration. Right, Will? Yeah, because when we, when we talked um, this weekend about how we were going to present this, I'm like, Oh, this is a lot to cover (laughs) in a little less than an hour, but hopefully from the discussion that we have that the listeners will at least have an idea and be able to do some research on their own. So this is just a little taste of what we think is important about uh, Black history and and moving forward. So I'm looking forward to this conversation with you. All right. So I'm going to start in um, mindful of the fact that it is 10 o'clock at night. Um, (laughs) I I'd written out several pages of things I was going to say. I'm going to try to just talk and not read my notes. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Um, So so we want to talk a little bit about like where did Black History Month come from? Like what's what's the origins? Um, And in doing some research, here's what I think makes a, a pretty compelling story. So 1915 in Chicago, there's a huge celebration of emancipation and of black achievement. Um, Some of the notes I saw said that there were lots and lots of people, 6,000, 12 people celebrating. The important person in this celebration was Dr. Carter Woodson. Uh, Carter Woodson was a young man who was the son of former slaves. Uh, He got his first 
first, let me say that again, his first undergraduate degree at a university in Kentucky. Um, he didn't start sort of formal education until he was about 20. But nonetheless, he gets one degree in Kentucky, goes to the University of Chicago, gets a, a BA and a master's degree. And if that wasn't just enough, he comes to Harvard and he gets a PhD. Um, and that happens in 1912. And here he is at the celebration in 1915. Um, so Dr. Woodson and um, some of his colleagues started talking um, and came up with an idea of having a week that would focus on sort of the ongoing contributions and achievements of Black Americans. Um, and he selects February as the month because within Black communities at the time, uh, February was a time when the, the community celebrated uh, the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln and of Frederick Douglass. Um, I think Lincoln's birthday is February 12th and Frederick, and, and Frederick Douglass's birthday is February 14th. Um, and Dr. Woodson thought that that would be a good sort of foundation on which to build a sort of a recognition and an uplifting of not just like the great men in the in you know people that have had impact on the lives of Black Americans, but that it was really important for Black Americans themselves to know about the sort of ongoing contributions and achievements of other Black Americans. So you know inventors and doctors and teachers and preachers and lawyers and you know sort of what's going on and making sure that that people know this because remember we're talking about Jim Crow period we're talking um, and, and certainly people are still I think fighting to get access to education and when you do there's absolutely you know uh, blacks are not necessarily represented positively in any sort of uh, mainstream educational systems. Um, so they start off with this week long celebration. And I was I was uh, impressed to know that there were uh, um, entities that developed called Negro history clubs that spread all across the United States. Um, so th that was one forum for um, ensuring that the, the sort of the recognition of Black History Week is happening. Um, and then the other thing that I think contributed to its spreading nationwide was the movement of Blacks from the South to the North. So we're talking like in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, 50s. We come down to the civil rights period and even greater sort of emphasis within Black community of the role of this week um, and then there's also starting to be a call that it should be a month long celebration. Um, and it's not until 1976 that President Ford actually officially recognizes Black History Month. And he says uh, that it's a time within the United States for the public to use it as an opportunity to learn about the uh, quoted a quote, often neglected contributions of Black Americans. 
1976 is when it becomes sort of an officially recognized as a, a month-long observation in the United States. Um, and since then, every president, irrespective of party, proclaims February as Black History Month. Um, and so that's where we are, 2021. We've a month to recognize the contributions and the achievements of African-Americans. You know, I really appreciate and that history because like you like you said they don't even talk about that in school <laughs> they just kind of focus on slavery and then there was civil rights and that's where it ends and that could be because I'm in Texas. I don't know. <laughs> no, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> it strikes me, I, I, as Cheryl was speaking, it strikes me that first and foremost, 1776, that's 200 years into the country first. Second, you know, I grew up in New York City and we were taught Harriet Tubman. We were taught the civil rights movement and we were taught George Washington Carver. And that oh, was no. it. Oh, um, you know, and we had a, a, a strong ratio of of African-American to, to white to Asian-American. You know, we were a very mixed area. And, and that was that was it for Black History Month. Those three highlights. And that's all we got. Right. And, you know, it I was a TV person. I like watching old TV shows. And I'm just realizing, like, even um, comedies uh, from the 70s, they were teaching us something. And at the time, I didn't realize it because I love watching Good Times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I remember them talking about during that show, it was Black History Week still. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so... Um, it's just amazing that we think we've come so, so far, but we haven't been a technically free country where everybody's supposedly considered free legally. It hasn't been that long when you no. think about it. You're, you're, you're right. I mean, and, and sort of, you know, thinking about like, what does Black History Month sort of mean as we're looking at 2021, we're looking at, you know, the attempted insurrection, the attempted coup, um, and sort of the implications of that, the insane attempt to um, toss out the voting, you know, the votes of primarily uh, people of color um, and, and, you know, sort of those attacks that are, that are, that are happening um, and you know, just, just everything. And I, and I think the fact that even today, um, history books are not inclusive. They're still not telling the full story. So right. here we go, Black History Month. Yeah, I, I think it's this conversation and really the conversations we've been having 
as a whole country, really, since since last year, I think we're kind of moving a little bit away from Black History Month as we've known it to history moving forward. Because of course, you know, like the, like the, um, our documents say, you know, we're striving to be a more perfect union. It's, it's not saying we are a perfect union by any, <laughs> by any means whatsoever. But you can honestly look at, at the same situation where we're at and then one hand realize we haven't come that far, but at the same time we have. And that's just a, a strange dichotomy to me, how on, on one hand we, we have come so far, but at the same time we haven't. And it's, it's hard to have conversations um, about how far we've come because it seems to always be this push and, and pull this give and take. As I know, when, when we elected Barack Obama and everybody thought we were in a post-racial America, most of us knew that wasn't the case, but people are so surprised. And then we end up with, you know, what we just left. <laughs> I don't want to, it's kind of like Voldemort. I don't want to say his name. So he won't come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know there are listeners of the show that, that believe in that, but, you know, and he, uh, I won't, I won't say his name, but as Whoopi Goldberg says, the former occupant of the White House, um, you know, he, he did the, the, the crime, not the crime bill, but, um, yes, the, yeah. you mean the, the sort of, um, uh, it's a criminal justice right. reform. Right. Um, but at the same time, every, every lawsuit he filed in trying to, <clears throat> contest the election right. was targeted at communities of color. So I, I think it encapsulates that push and pull. <laughs> so it's just, it's just very interesting to me. You All know, I, well, a lot of the pundits have spoken about that exact topic and, and went okay. so far as to say, you know, words like, you won't have a country or they're stealing our country, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and most, I'm sorry to say, but most of those pundits speaking were white Americans. So are they speaking truth to what you feel to, you know, what's out there? I think there are, def there definitely is a portion of the country and I can't, quantify it but to me you know one person is too many but we saw with the insurrection that 
There is more than just uh, a couple of people. But I think it's a it's a real feeling out there um, where people, you know, the whole Trump campaign was predicated on make America great again. Well, great for who? Um, because a lot of times I have, I still say, you know, slavery is technically and legally non-existent, but it really isn't. It, uh, now it's just called prison um, because you have more people of color in prison than anything else. And a lot of times it's for drug um, drugs or nonviolent crimes. Um, so it's slavery under a different name. Um, so it's, it's real. It's definitely, he's, they're speaking to real feelings out there. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't know. It's just hard to have that push and pull. <laughs> but again, we're not, we're trying to get to that more perfect union, but it gets very tiring sometimes. <laughs> very tiring. <clears throat> So, yeah, so I was um, thinking, uh, I know when when Cheryl and I talked um, and when I sent you guys some of the thoughts I was having, um, and I had some conversations before um, this this show tonight, it's, it's, it's just, just really interesting because, you know, Black people are not a monolith. Um, we have Black conservatives, we have Black liberals, we have um, Black independents, and we have Black people that just don't care, just like every other ethnicity out there. Um, but it all, it takes all of us to kind of move forward, even if we're taking baby steps. Um, but a lot of what's going on and the way that specifically Blacks in America kind of handle or go about handling um, the current situation is based on what we went through as a people with slavery. Um, there's this, this um, I used to preach when I was younger and there was this old um, saying that I used to use and that I heard before as well, that a mother was teaching her daughter how to make a, a pot roast. And she would cut off the ends of the pot roast. And the daughter said, well, why do, we, why do you cut the ends off the pot roast? 
And the mom says, I don't know, go ask your grandmother. And so she goes to ask her grandmother, why do you cut the ends off the pot roast? And grandma says, I don't know, go ask your great grandma. She asked the same thing. And she said, the great grandmother says, well, the pot we had wasn't big enough, so I had to cut off the ends. <laughs> and it just it just shows that we just do things based on habit without getting a full understanding. And I think in the case of uh, Black Americans now, we've gone through so much trauma as a people from before the beginning of the country, the things that made sense for survival then is what holds us back now. So I'm gonna jump in and, and let you guys- what, what are your thoughts about that? Um. Well, I suppose um, I I hear you, and um, I I think it it probably depends a little bit on the individual and where they're coming from, because mm -hmm. as you said, um, what the the term African American really encompasses a huge group of people. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, I, you know, my fan, I, I was born in South America and I am black. And when I came to the United States, I became African-American. Um, yeah. and, and so sort of my family's traditions and sort of the way we understood race relations was a little different. Um, but at the same time, the fact that you're moving in, you're Ooh. in America. So the thing that I've learned over the time, over time is like, there's value in sort of knowing where I came from and sort of holding on to the strengths of that sort of culture and community. But there's, I, I really need to understand sort of where I am and I need to understand um, American history and understand the role of African-Americans in American history because to some extent, it doesn't matter where you're from, mm -hmm. you're here. And mm -hmm. so um, this is the culture and this is sort of the, the, the conditions that impact your life. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think they're, they're, they're probably, um, as you said, they're, they're probably sort of attitudes and things that are holding people back. <laughs> But there also, I think we have to acknowledge that there are sort of systems that mm -hmm. irrespective of who you are, uh, if you're a person who's black, um, you run into obstacles. Right. Um, <clears throat> and I think, I mean, and I think the fact that, uh, I, I, I would say in sort of the more reading I've done, the more sort of talking with people that I've done, it's it's just impressive mm -hmm. that African Americans keep moving forward. You know, mm -hmm. that people people get up, they go to school, 
they go to church, they, they, they you know, try to uh, get education, um, that people aren't like, I mean, that, that we're not like just crushed because um, it, there's just so much, you know, I mean, you talked about the criminal justice system and as, as an American, you're taught, you know, you're in school, you're taught that it's a fair system, but you know, it is not a fair system if you're a person of color. Right. right? I mean, you know that it matters. Yes, they say, oh, yes, we can provide you with a public, what are they called? The, the attorney. Um, oh, the public defender. We can, you, you can yeah. get a public defender, but we know that um, that's nice, but it's better if you have your own money and you can mm -hmm. hire a, a lawyer with, of, of uh, you know, I mean, not saying public defenders are not competent, right. but it's better if you've got money and you can hire a, a different lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, I mean, cause you know, if you studied like, you know, I mean, uh, people were not supposed to be a society that sort of tosses people in jail unless they've done something right. Mm -hmm. But we know there are people sitting in jail because they can't pay bail. Right. And, right. and we know, like you think about someplace like Ferguson, for mm -hmm. instance, where they're their whole sort of system for covering the cop, I mean, what, is, what was that? Like a significant part of their um, budget for administration in the town was based on, you know, giving blacks fines. Right. So it's like, ah, ticket, you turned yeah. left and there was a red light or ticket your tail mm -hmm. gate or whatever it's your tail light is broken mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. and then as as somebody said you know when you think about how awful the education system is for um kids in urban areas and and the fact that we just let it happen <laughs> it yeah. goes on and on and we're like oh if we move to wellesley Oh, I'm sorry, that's that's a posh town in outside of Boston, right? So it's mm -hmm. like, if we move to the rich town, then we can get access. But we understand that if you're in Boston, you know, you are going to have schools that were built 100 years ago, and, mm -hmm. you know, ventilation systems aren't going to be up to snuff. And um, so there, I mean, I think there's like, there are lots of things that if you sort of start peeling it away and looking closely, <laughs> I, I mean, I, it, it, for me personally, it just, it, it's overwhelming. Yeah. And I say, I can't do that. I just can't, you know, so mm -hmm. I put the covers back on. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And I say, all right, so we're going to, we're going to operate at this level here where mm -hmm. I can uh, continue to think that it's, it's a, you know, it's okay. I've got a good education. I should get a good job and blah, 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 that type of stuff. Hey, yeah. I just wanted to give you guys a heads up that uh, Rick has his hand up. So. Oh, all right. Very cool. Yes. Rick, what would you like to say? Okay. How are you? First of all. Good. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> good, 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 good. Um, this problem 
of systemic racism goes beyond the gentleman, and I use the term loosely, who had who occupied the White House in the past four years. This is a problem that goes back generations. We were we were taught as young people to fear. And I think this issue, this problem is is all about fear. It's fear of the unknown. And what happens is from that fear of the unknown, we develop hatred from the fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I I really um, think that the way to change where we are from where we need to be is to really look at the fear. What what do we fear? Why do we fear it? And confront that. Mm -hmm. And that's where the change is going to begin. Right. Thank you, Rick. That's, That's an interesting point. Yeah. And one that I totally agree with. For yeah. some, for some people, because <laughs> there, you know, no matter how many laws we change or how many people we get to meet, there's still some people. There's still going to be racists out there, um, and I think we just have to to recognize that and try to reach those people that can be reached. But I, I do totally agree with you, Rich, Rick, that, you know, it's about having those tough and very uncomfortable conversations um, that we as a country are too, well, we were too squeamish to have in the past almost year We've been more people have been having those conversations. And I think it opened the eyes of a lot of people, not mm-hmm. only people of color, but otherwise. So I, I do think they say that people fear what they don't understand. So mm-hmm. you're you're right on point with that. I think this would be a good point to transition a little into the psychosocial conversation. And I'm going to throw to to Will and Cheryl. I, I did some reading after I looked at Will's notes. And one thing that really struck me, and, and I had said earlier in the program about, you know, being taught three or four prominent Black folks who made a difference in the world, made a difference in the country. But um, I read something where, you know, a... Um, 
PhD level person had been speaking, saying, you know, what were we to look at? What were we to emulate? And growing up, you could either be Good Times or you could be the Cosby Show. And there was no in between. And there was no, there was no, nothing else to look at. You're either one of those two segments of, of the black population. And then you go to school and you get one prominent black person in history once a week for four weeks in February. And that's it. That's all you got. So that begins the psychosocial outlook of, of who people, who are you going to look to? Who are you going to emulate? Who, who are you going to become as, as there's nothing for you to really look at and emulate coming up? Cheryl, did you want? (laughs) Well, I'll, I'll start. I mean, because I, I think, um, so I think where people look for sort of other images is thankfully um, people who are connected through their churches. Um, so, you know, and, and through your family, um, depending on where you live, maybe through your neighborhood. Um, you know, again, if, if you're sort of American, but from another country, um, you draw on those sort of um, images and, and understanding of who you are, because you're right. I mean, if you just, if, I mean, if you only had like television or your history books or something to rely on, you wouldn't think that there's too, too much that you can do. Um, and so that's where something like, uh, um, you know, uh, Black History Month comes in because I think one of the things that 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 I understood from when Dr. Woodson created it, it wasn't it was for it was for African Americans, it was for them, for us I shouldn't say them, it was for us to know our own past because I think he and his cohorts understood that um, there, there weren't images out there in the general public. Um, and and if, you, if, if you pay attention to American history, the thing that um, I think is just amazing um, is that uh, when you look at Black communities, they, I mean, you know, left alone, people were doing fine. I right. mean, think about the, the, you know, the folks in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma, the, the uh, Black Wall Street, as mm-hmm. it was called, right. one of the richest places in the country at the time. Um, and, and people achieved that even though they were surrounded by entities that said, no, 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 we're not letting you in. You can't mm-hmm. do this. You can't do that. And they, they still succeeded. Um, and so Yes, I think there's fear of the unknown, but I think there's fear of, of I think there's always been fear of competition. Mm. And, mm. and I think as a result, they've always been, you know, obstacles. So it's like, oh, uh, obstacles have been put in the way of black people um, so they can't achieve things. And then the society has had the gall to say to the black people, you can't achieve things <laughs> because you're black. Right. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and what if, and again, I mean, 
if as a black child, you don't know that there are these true and real obstacles, mm -hmm. then you can grow up thinking less of yourself and mm -hmm. thinking that you can't achieve and you can't do and you can't be because whether it's said out loud or it's said through omission, I think that's the message that kids who are black, kids of color, that's the message you really get. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's true. Um, and when you were talking about um, the black neighborhoods, I remember growing up in a predominantly uh, black neighborhood, I think our actual neighbors was an older Jewish couple uh, and they were the only non-blacks in the community. And this was the type of neighborhood that you, you know, we went out and played on our big wheels and <laughs> things like that. And if you did something you weren't supposed to do, I'll, I'll say, some people say you got a spanking. It was, it was a whooping, that's what we called it, <laughs> by, by the neighbors. And then they would call your parents and then you would get another one when you got home for not representing them right. And I think, there was there was community um and i think with i don't know whether it's the advent of social media or i don't know what it is but it doesn't seem to be that same type of community or maybe it's just because i'm older now and i'm not riding big wheels in the street anymore um I don't know what it is, but it doesn't feel the same. I, I feel disconnected some, some way. And I think that's, that's something that has hurt um, not only the black community, but communities of every ethnicity. And I, I, I hesitate to say race because race is a, <laughs> a man-made term that doesn't really exist. So that's why I always say ethnicity. <laughs> so, but I don't know, it, it just, I don't feel as connected. And I think that's another part of the trauma, um, like you were saying earlier as well, the, the education piece the being poor piece, um, the, the modern day slavery through the prison system piece, um, all those obstacles that you were talking about. And I think, you know, a lot of church people call it generational curse. Mm. And I think people just don't know or don't have the tools. I think that's a better way to, to say it. Don't have the tools to know how to break that generational curse. But these kids nowadays, um, you know, these even 
10 and under that know how to get on their phone and do things on their phone and connect with people. And I'm like, my phone does that? (laughs) (laughs) I I think there's going to be, and the conversation I was having earlier uh, this evening, I think it's going to go from being an evolution to a revolution. Because these kids don't think the same way that we we think. Um, just like, you know, uh, people who grew up in, slave, in slavery or as sharecroppers, um, they thought differently than the people who started fighting for civil rights because they... Uh, and then now we say, oh, these people that fought for civil rights, they they want to stay there. I think it's based on people's experiences. And so I, I just think kids nowadays, they don't really, for the most part, they don't see color. They don't see whether you're gay, straight, uh, trans. Yeah. They don't see it. So I, and maybe this is a hope. Maybe this is my Obama moment. (laughs) No, I I think you're right. And I'll tell you, there was, you know, in in New York, (laughs) that's where most of my stories are. But, you Mm -hmm. know, when I, the same high school that I went to, if two girls wanted to go to the prom together when I graduated, it would have caused the only controversy and parents meetings and PTA and all that kind of stuff. And, and not only, not, not more than 10 years later, I'm seeing on Facebook, the queen and queen of the prom from my Port Richmond high school. And it was just like, wow, you know, mm-hmm. I couldn't have come out in high school and been okay. You know, mm-hmm. I, I probably wouldn't have been, you know, killed, but it would mm-hmm. not have been a great experience for me. And here are these two girls, queen and queen of the prom you know, celebrating and you had hundreds of kids, you know, raising, raising glasses and, and posing for pictures and so on and so forth. And it's like, wow, what a difference 10 years can make. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Anthony, it's funny that you mentioned the 10 years uh, piece, because I was just saying that, you know, earlier I was saying we haven't been a, a technically free country that long. I was born in 79. I mean, I mean, 99. <laughs> but, <laughs> when you said 79, you're just getting younger and younger. I was born in 79. I'm amazed at your command of the English language. But yes. go on. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just, I just look like I was born in like a 99. <laughs> but that's only 10 years removed from civil rights. Yeah. That's not that long. My, my cousin, my cousin that I'm close to, she's, she's 10 years older than me. She was right there. Her mom, she's 77. She knew what it was like to see blacks only and whites only. Um, My grandmother 
lived during during that time. So we're not that far removed. And I think with, you know, I have I have my love-hate relationship with social media, but I think with social media for all of its ills, I think these kids nowadays have access to so many different types of people that I don't know if we're going to be having the same type of conversation 20 years from now. God willing. Definitely, oh. <laughs> definitely a change. Will, you, you brought memories. I, I've always wanted to share this uh, with, with uh, our listeners here in Pride Connection. What a better show to do that. You know, before I came to the U.S., and even though I, I did study in, in an American system school back in Honduras, uh, I, before I got into the history or social studies books, my grandmother used to tell us an anecdote that uh, one of the first times that she traveled to the U.S. with my grandfather in the 60s, that uh, she had witnessed, or no, I'm sorry, it was the late 50s or early 60s, I don't remember right now, I think it was somewhere around that time where she got into a bus and uh, the driver was forcing a black couple to go to the back, to the end of the bus. So my grandfather and my grandmother could sit and my grandmother and my grandfather got into this argument with the driver because it's not necessary. We can go to the back and it it, it created a whole commotion. And at the end, uh, my grandparents refused to take, the black couple seed but to us it was like a like a wow anecdote and and mm. then to read that it you know that it became part of history with rosa parks and the civil rights movement it, it, to me it was it was mm. it was it was very interesting to hear it first as an anecdote from my grandmother so so when i read it i thought the same as you uh, that uh, this was not so long ago mm. this was mm. still within basically our our, our, you know, our, our, our modern history that these things were, were still happening in America. Right. And I, I want to say, I mean, I think that there's, you know, there's always like a hope and maybe it comes first that through our technologies that we're, we're sort of able to build links and break down barriers among people. But I think the thing we have to also remember is that we have to make changes in the laws. Exactly. Um, because mm-hmm. if, I mean, you know, I, I mean, Black Wall Street, fantastic, but if you can't step out of Black Wall Street and also succeed, not mm-hmm. good, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's mm-hmm. that's where we were in the 30s and even in the 60s. So I, I don't want anybody to hear us and think that, like, we're yearning for days of... Uh, segregation and separation because we are not <laughs> we're bad days right. we're, mm-hmm. we're we're yearning for days of uh inclusion and full participation and oh, we yeah. want the laws that back that up yeah so. yeah let's and- do a ch- quick check-in with byron do we have any hands i'm not seeing any at the moment but if okay. anybody wants to uh raise their hand and ask a question feel free at this time I'm not seeing any at the moment. All right. Well, go ahead. Um, but 
I, I think that's right, uh, Cheryl, that we don't want to go go back. We don't want to make America great again. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what it means. <laughs> um, but I think it's these conversations are are excellent because we can take a look back and see what worked as as a people for survival what tools they used for survival and bring those forward um you know those that make sense Mm -hmm. um and i know we were we wanted to talk about you know history in the making um one of the things that I love seeing, and maybe it's because I'm a black male, I love seeing there's so many black men talking about mental health. Yes. Now, and we did not talk about that before as a whole, as mm-hmm. a people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that came from, from trauma because you couldn't, you couldn't show that you were not whole and i'm doing air quotes because that meant in slavery you might be separated from your family because they wanted to keep families together so they they wouldn't walk around and talk about oh my boy is sick today he can't work you just have to get up and work but I'm loving the fact that I see people talking about mental health and self-care and and if they're feeling depressed, they say it um, because that's going to be part of what moves us forward, too, because I, having a lot of these difficult conversations for me sometimes it's very depressing and I need a break sometimes. I was going to actually ask you about that, you know, because <laughs> a lot of times we, we do tend to use you guys, <clears throat> uh, you and Cheryl, uh, for these conversations. And I'm like, does it ever get tiring being asked to talk about this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> from I, I can speak for myself, yes. But at the same time, it's important. I want to be, if somebody comes to me and says, Will, let's talk about this. And they realize that I don't talk about it in the normal, <laughs> the normal way. It's, it's good to have those conversations. But, you know, at the same time, I'm like, there's Google. <laughs> or <laughs> there's in our case uh book bookshare and bard and and things like that so i don't want people to get lackadaisical and think oh cheryl and will are there we can just ask them and we're all good <laughs> because if it stops there no, it's yes. not doing anything, <laughs> and I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna stop now before I get on my soapbox. 
<laughs> well, before you before you stop, tell us about the book that you presented to BPI to read, and um, I believe it's March thirteenth that we'll be discussing. Right. Um, it's a book called The Prophets, um, like Prophets of the Bible. And it takes place uh, during slavery, uh, chattel uh, slavery. And it is, oh, let me try to put this where I'm not talking about the book because I want people to read the book. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no spoilers. (laughs) Yeah, but it's about um, a a same-sex couple or lovers um and basically what it boils down to is before um people were being taught by one of the other slaves about the master's religion it was pretty much okay nobody batted an eye that these guys were obviously in love but when um, the master taught this slave about the religion, which was Christianity, and how it was bastardized. Oh, I say that word a lot when I'm having these conversations. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they bastardized religion to um, keep people enslaved. Mm-hmm. That's when it, it, it became an issue for the other slaves, and it cause division um that's it in a nutshell and we will be having a a book club discussion on uh march 13th um at two central i forgot all the other (laughs) times you can read aligned lgbt pride dot org or blind L- membership at blind LGBT pride. And we will send you the information if you'd like to participate. Right. Tell them the name of the book again, and then give us some final thoughts and then turn it to Cheryl for some final thoughts. It is called the profits. Um, right now it's only on uh, audible or Amazon Kindle or an ebook. Um, it's not on, on Bookshare, So you'll have to either purchase it. Um, but I want to thank Cheryl and, and Pride Connection itself and the listeners for letting us have this conversation in not the old typical way of just focusing on Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, um, George Washington Carver, Rosa Parks, <laughs> <laughs> and just, just taking a, a holistic approach even though that means we're all over the place, but there's only so much we can do in an hour. And, but just Google and all those other bing it and all that and do some research. Um, I promise you that you'll be enthralled and just excited about learning the history of, of black America. How about you, Cheryl? which is America. Oh yeah. That's that's the one thing. I mean, in as much, you know, in as much as we have this one month that sort of focuses on the history of black Americans, um 
I think we need to start acknowledging that we need to learn about uh, African-American history. We need to learn about Mexican history and everybody else who's ever stepped foot in the United States because we're all here and we've all made this country what it is. Um, but oh, well said. thinking about Black American um, History Month, as Will said, I mean, there are tons of things to read. Um, and, you know, I think you should, I would recommend, I mean, Googling can send you all over the place. <laughs> so I would recommend, um, you know, start with a, a library or a librarian that you know, and ask them if there are any sort of recommended readings, um, any books that they would recommend. So, so that you're not, because it, it, it is overwhelming. And if you're just starting, it's hard to know what's true and what's not true. Mm -hmm. um, and thank you, Anthony and Gabe and everybody for a chance to come and talk about this topic because there's so much to say and um, I just appreciate a chance to share. It's thank our you. honor to always have you and Will. It is. Educating this has been Pride Connection every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. You can find us in your podcast catchers under ACB Pride Connection. We'll be back next Tuesday with another great show. You have been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. For more information, go to blindlgbtpride.org. Oh,